Welcome back, everybody. Today we have a very special guest. Since Anna's out of town, she went to her race, but I'll let her tell you more about that when she gets back. I heard that she got like first place or something, so that's really exciting. But today I have Kate Ladner on the podcast. She's a very special friend, and I'm so excited for you guys to meet her and for us to chat. So, hi, Kate. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited. Of course, we actually went to the beach uh, this past weekend, which you guys will see in a vlog, and it was so fun. Um, Kate's actually moving to North Carolina soon, so I'm not going to see her much anymore, but we had to hang out one last time, and I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast because I feel like we have so much in common, um, and I'm excited to chat about all these different things. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, for anyone who doesn't know. So sure. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Kate. I work nine to five in marketing. And when I'm not doing that, I pretty much post my life on YouTube. I got married last September. So it'll be my six month anniversary this Friday, which is so exciting. So by the time, yeah, by the time you guys hear this, I would have been married for six months. <laughs> uh, I have a cute puppy here with me called Honey. I love her. And next week I move from Florida to North Carolina, which I'm so excited about. That's so exciting. First of all, congrats on your six months of marriage. Thank you. <laughs> how, how is the first six months of marriage? Tell us. Anything uh, crazy? Anything that you realized? Or is it basically almost the same? Well, considering we live together, it's almost the same, I want to say. But it's been really amazing just knowing that we are so committed to each other. I mean, we've made this like final step and we're actually married. It's it's just been amazing. It's definitely been a little chaotic for sure, throwing a puppy into the mix. Um, it's almost like <laughs> having a child, although I don't want to say that having a dog is quite as hard as having a baby, but she's definitely added a little bit of stress into the relationship, but I think it's been good for us. Um, and other than that, obviously moving adds a little bit of stress, but it's been really mm -hmm. great other than that. So you have a very interesting background of living in different countries, which is one of the reasons why I think you're such a cool person. So tell us a little bit about where you were born and where you grew up and your history. Sure. So it's a little complicated, um, but I was born in South Africa. So I lived there for 12 years in a place called Durban, which is on the East Coast. It actually has a really similar climate to Florida, which is interesting. Then after that, I actually moved to Australia and I lived there in Perth on the West Coast for about seven years before I moved to the US, which was five years ago. I actually just had my five year anniversary. I think it was last week. So yeah, time's been flying by. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. So what is it like living in South Africa and Australia and then coming to the US? What are some pros and cons or things that you've noticed of these different countries? Because I feel like not everyone has the opportunity to live for long periods of time in these places. It's definitely been great. I think um, you know, I just thrive and change. So I've really enjoyed living in different countries. It's been super interesting just meeting so many different people. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, South Africa is where most of my family is. So it definitely holds a very special place in my heart. Um, I'm really hoping that I'll actually be able to go back next year, which would be amazing. But I'd say probably the only real con of South Africa for me was the crime and just how dangerous it was. That was like the main reason for 
my parents immigrating um, over to Australia was just that it is kind of a dangerous place. I mean, it is a third world country. So for the safety of, you know, our family, we chose to move there. Mm -hmm. Um, And how was Australia? (laughs) Yeah, Australia was great. It was you know, so much safer than South Africa. And as a child, like all of a sudden being able to have all these freedoms, simply, you know, being able to go to the mall on your own or being able to get on a bus and just do simple things like that, or even being able to walk out of your house. It was very different for me. It was really exciting. I loved living there. It was just so beautiful, especially the West Coast. The beaches there are Mm -hmm. kind of like Florida. They're so stunning and clear water. Um, And then probably the only, you know, con of that was just the drinking culture, I would say. Um, If you've ever been to Australia, there's a huge, yeah, huge drinking and drug culture, which I think growing up, I didn't notice it being that much of a problem. I guess I just thought that's what, you know, high school and maybe college was like, but it definitely is more prevalent in Australia than the US, that's for sure. That is so interesting. I never would have thought that because in the U.S., I mean, we see all these TV shows and movies where kids are drinking and it's definitely prevalent here too. But to to hear that it's even more prevalent in Australia is so mind-blowing. So then what was it like coming to the U.S. after living in these other places? Was there anything that you noticed of the U.S. where you were like, hmm, that's different? Because it's always interesting to see an outsider's perspective. So when we, you know, decided we were moving to the U.S., I was so excited. I think for someone who lives outside of the U.S., you know, all of the TV shows and movies are pretty much all based in the U.S. So there was just so much excitement about going and living that American lifestyle. It just seemed Mm -hmm. so enticing and so exciting. So I was really happy that we got the opportunity to move here. I mean, really, there's not too much differences, I would say, um, between Australia and the US. I think mostly because they're first world countries, you know, they're both English speaking countries. So it wasn't like Mm -hmm. anything too crazy, but there was definitely some times where there was some misunderstandings. I think Australians use a lot of slang. So coming over with a lot of my Australian slang, uh, people did not understand me as, (laughs) you know, I was speaking English, (laughs) but apparently a different, you know, type of English, which was really funny. But people here have been so friendly, um, which I've really loved. I think they really invite um, people to come in with different cultures and backgrounds, which is so nice. What's like a, an example of Australian slang? Like, hello, mate. Or like, what do you guys say? That was weird in here uh, at the US. There's like an entire video on this that I've shown to other people first when I moved here. And now I feel like my friends like to say I sound so American, even though I don't think I do. But I don't use much slang anymore. I'm trying to think. Even, I guess, as simple as like things like an avocado, I would say avo. So avo toast uh-huh. or instead of avocado or you know, shortening things like fridge instead of refrigerator, just like little funny, silly things like that, that maybe people don't get. (laughs) Something you said this weekend when we were hanging out was like, you were saying like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that, but let's see how I go. Oh yeah. Like (laughs) how that basically means like, let's see how it goes. But you say, let's see how I go. And I've noticed that Sarah's day, I don't know if you follow her, but she's like a huge mega influencer from Australia she always says that too so I think it's so pretty when you guys talk like that I really think it's amazing (laughs) the U.S. is just like blah and then we have like curse words but yeah I think it's cute I love the U.S. though there's so many different accents which is just so 
funny that, you know, obviously from the mm-hmm. South and the North and then the West Coast, it's just, it's so diverse, which I think is so interesting. It's the same size as Australia, but I feel like it's a lot more diverse. So when people meet you for the first time, do they think that your accent is South African primarily or Australian or what do you get the most? I honestly get a mix. Um, Sometimes just to keep things easy, I normally say I'm just from Australia. And then sometimes people Mm -hmm. will pick it up and be like, really? You don't sound too Australian. So then I have to say, yes, I'm actually, you know, originally from South Africa. But sometimes I honestly sometimes get a real shock when I say I'm from South Africa. I think people are like, really? You're from South Africa? So sometimes Mm -hmm. I try to keep it simple. (laughs) Have you seen the show on Netflix, Inventing Anna? Yes, I just finished that. I think it's interesting because she, the actress, had to take a very intense like acting lesson when it came to her accent. She had to kind of develop. I don't remember where she said she was from. Um, oh, she was like originally Russian, then she moved to Germany, and then she was in the U.S. So the actor had to like make her accent sound like she was from different places at different times, which was so interesting. So I think that's definitely cool, and I love um, your accent, and it, I think it's very unique. So speaking of your husband earlier, how did you and him meet? So it's actually a really interesting story, or I like to say it's a very um, like millennial or Gen Z way to meet, but he actually DM'd me on Instagram, if you believe. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So he DM'd me on Instagram. At the time, we were both actually pursuing YouTube, um, which is really funny. So that's kind of how he started it and just kind of started talking to me about YouTube. Um, eventually, maybe a month later, we actually met up for our first date. I was so against, I guess, you know, a boyfriend at the time. I just thought, no, I'll meet him as a friend. And then, of course, you know, God has other plans. And he just, you mm-hmm. know, put, you know, when I least expected it, Jay came into my life. And I think it was at, honestly, just the most, you know, important time in my life. It was just, you know, really great for us to meet. It was just perfect timing. And we just had an amazing first date and just talked for hours. And yeah, that's how we met. Was this in college? It was. Yeah, it was actually um, the week of finals, I believe, um, as a sophomore Uh in college. Um, So we dated pretty much, you know, a year and a half, I think, through college after that. And he was working full time at the time. And you guys lived up north at at the time, right? This was in Connecticut or? Yeah, it was Connecticut. Yeah. Okay. And then you guys got married. Uh, How did you know that you were ready for marriage or that he was the one? Because I get that question a lot where people ask, um, how do you know if the person is the one? And it's a really tough question, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. It actually is a really tough question. I feel like the most generic answer is honestly the truth. When you know, you know. But for me, I think it was when we started going to church together um, I had always, you know, grown up Catholic, so I had always attended church maybe until I was 18 years old. And then I kind of just decided to do my own thing. I thought it wasn't for me. But when, you know, when Justin and I started dating pretty early on, uh, we decided that we wanted to start going to church. It was really his influence. And I think, you know, going to church and joining a marriage group as a, <laughs> as a couple who were only dating, we were the only people dating in a marriage group. And I think it just showed real commitment and I feel like that's how I knew he was the one was when we started our faith journey together. Oh, that's amazing. So did he grow up Christian or did he come to find it on his own? 
Kind of similar to me, we both actually grew up Catholic, went to Catholic schools, similar thing for himself. Um, you know, he stopped going probably at a younger age than myself, but for him, he actually found it again in college. One of his roommates was a football player and his dad was a pastor. And so he started going to Bible study with him and that's how he kind of, you know, re-sparked his connection with God. That is so special. I love that. That makes me smile so much because yeah. in college, it's, it's not often that, you know, you see people going to God and not running away from God. So that is so amazing. Um, so basically, you're saying that he was a big influence in you reconnecting with your faith. Would you say that's true? A hundred percent. I even said that in our vows. I said, if it wasn't for you, I just don't think that I've, I would have come to it on my own. So I owe him almost everything. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> going to make me cry. <laughs> That is so sweet. I love him already. <laughs> I've never met him, but I love him. You would love him. <laughs> His name is Justin, right? Yeah. Justin? Yeah. But you call him Jay. Yeah. It's just easier. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I like that. That's cute. So do you have any tips on planning a wedding? I know you have several YouTube videos on it and that's so cool. But for anyone who hasn't seen those, do you have any tips on maybe doing it on a budget or anything you've learned during the wedding process? Um, so I think probably the biggest thing to first kind of decide is I think where you want to spend your money. Obviously, everyone has different things that are important to them. For me, it was photography and videography was really important to me because I wanted us to be able to have memories to look back on, you know, when we're old and we've been married for, you know, 50, 60 mm -hmm. years. So that really mattered to me. So I think that's where a lot of our budget went. We tried to just like minimize the budget in other places. Um, one of the things I did that saved me so much money was um, I really wanted eucalyptus table runners for our wedding. It was just, I'd seen it on Pinterest, but the actual cost of doing that was so significant that I actually got faux eucalyptus runners from Target um, and oh, did wow. that on the table. And all my other flowers were real, but it did save me a lot of money. And I don't think people would have cared too much if it was real or fake eucalyptus. It still looked great. And then other than that, another thing was I got my dress pretty much for a third of the price. My dress that I wanted, you know, I was so set on you know, an Australian dress by a certain designer. And so I actually went to a store and you know, the dresses that you try on in store, well, you can actually buy mm -hmm. those, you know, I think once they're considered out of season, um, well, they're no longer making that dress anymore. So you can go ahead and buy those sample dresses. So I bought mine for a third of the price, just had it, you know, dry cleaned and then fitted to myself and it was perfect. And I got my pretty much dream dress, which was a great way to save That's money. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Something that I did, I think I've said this before, but I made my own invitations on Word because I was going for like a super minimal vibe anyway. So I just did like some fancy font. I did a black border and then I printed it on fancy paper and I cut them myself. It was a lot of work to cut them and like make them all, but it saved me probably like $600 because wow. um, little things like invitations and things like that just add up. So yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that I did. I didn't hire a day of coordinator or like a wedding planner, did you? I did. Um, I think it was like my saving grace. <laughs> she was amazing. Yeah, I agree. 
So I think I definitely needed her, but I didn't have a wedding planner, which definitely saved money. Yeah, I I regret not hiring a day of person because I was really stressed. Um, So I would say do what Kate did and save in other areas and then don't save on the wedding coordinator because you'll be really stressed like I did. Yeah, she was was, amazing. Yeah, I was about to walk down the aisle and I was like so stressed about other things that the hotel gave us a person just to make sure that nothing crazy happened but she wasn't actually the planner so she looked at me she was like you need a shot of tequila right now it was like 30 seconds before i was walking down the aisle but i was like about to cry from stress just because i was like someone start the music someone make sure the bridesmaids are lined up like i was in charge of everything literally down to the moment where i was walking down the aisle so she gave me a shot and i was crying walking down the aisle from joy but I think also from stress. Like I just like let it out and the wedding pictures I have are so like cringe because I'm walking down the aisle like ugly crying. It was the most embarrassing thing ever. But looking back, like it was very special and it was great, but definitely hire a day of coordinator. That would stress me out. Like hearing that makes me sound so stressed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Don't Learn cut from corners us. where it matters. <laughs> So, so you said you came to Christ in college. Um, go into more detail if you want on how did that look like in your life? Was there a certain moment, like a certain day that you remember or was it like a gradual thing? So when I first started, um, you know, going back to church, I was 21. So I was in my 20s. Um, I was almost 22. And it was one of the things that, like I mentioned, Jay and I had kind of discussed. He had told me about, you know, a non-denominational church and how it was truly just so different to Catholic church. And I was really willing to try anything. It's not like I didn't believe in God. I just don't think I really ever understood um, the Catholic mass. It just seemed, I, I just could never honestly understand it. Um, and mm-hmm. it just seemed so, you know, sit down, stand up. Like I didn't feel any connection to anything that was really going on. And I would just, you know, not really listen if I was being honest. Um, mm-hmm. But it was one of the things that when Justin and I had decided to move in together was that we wanted to start going to church. So we made the effort. We went to a non-denominational church. And I'd say it the first time I went, I was a little weirded out. I was just because it was so <laughs> different. I, you know, the music, just the way they tell, um, you know, just everything about it was just so different for me. But just the actual message was was what really drew me to a non-denominational church. For once, I walked out of church understanding what the pastor was saying instead of going, well, that was an hour of time where I didn't know what was going on and, you know, a wasted Mm -hmm. hour of my time. But I would say that was when I kind of begun my faith journey was when I started going to the smaller non-denominational church in Connecticut. Um, like I mentioned, Justin and I also joined groups. So, you know, if you are joining a church, I think joining groups is a great way to get more involved and more um, like in tune with the church. So we joined a marriage group, even though we weren't married at the time. And then really, I think the big step um, or my big leap in faith happened when we moved to Florida. I like to say that it was God moving us here because, you know, we moved here and the churches here are even just bigger and better than what we have in New England. And we just met the most amazing people. And I think just seeing other people my age in their 20s, just loving God so passionately, just made me want to be like them. And that's when I really dove more into my faith, you know, started reading the Bible at night, you know, reading a devotional, getting into more groups. And I think that was probably the biggest step in my faith was moving to Florida. Florida, And I think just 
surrounding myself with other people my own age who were also pursuing a relationship with God. Being in your 20s and coming to faith, were there any struggles that you think you or other people that you've met who've come to faith in their 20s have that maybe people who grew up in the faith wouldn't have? I know it's a strange question, but I grew up in my faith, um, so I'm always curious to hear what people who came to it on their own think about it. So I think maybe the hardest thing that you'll have if you're coming to faith later in your life is probably maybe judgment from friends. You know, this may or may not Mm. happen, but if you aren't a believer, let's say, and you surround yourself with other non-believers they might think what you're doing is maybe a little bit odd because they just don't do it themselves there might be some pushback some judgment so you know you might need to get better friends i think that was one of the first things that kind of happened in my faith journey was i kind of cut off the people who were just really negative influences in my life it doesn't mean they were bad people whatsoever and i'm not telling you to cut out your friends but you know these people just weren't you know putting much um, effort into, you know, my friendship with them. And I think at the time they were just kind of very negative influences and I really just needed to break free of that. And that's what I did. Obviously some friends might be really supportive and might even be curious as to why you're maybe acting differently because now you're in a relationship with God. You've got this new way of seeing the world and seeing life. And sometimes people are really drawn to that as well. So you might even Mm -hmm. get a couple of your friends to become believers just because they see the changes that are happening within yourself. But I think that's probably maybe the biggest thing you might have to deal with. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Like that didn't even cross my mind that people in your life would be like, whoa, what's going on? Like, who is this girl now? (laughs) So what are some things that you maybe stopped doing once you became a more dedicated Christian that your friends maybe picked up on like, oh, you're not doing this anymore, or you're, you are doing this instead of this? Uh, So I think one thing which is really, really small was also just dressing more modestly. I mean, I I still wear crop tops. I still still love fashion. (laughs) You know, I'm not, um, you know, someone who dresses like a church nun, I like to say. Um, But I definitely do dress a little more modestly now. Just wearing a little less revealing clothing, you can still look so fashionable. And I think you actually look more fashionable if you're not showing off everything. It's such a better look. Um, So I think that's definitely one thing that changed in my life. But definitely probably the biggest thing that when friends started talking to me, they probably were like, oh, really? You're doing that? That's so different. And that was abstaining from sex. So once I you know, decided to become Christian, Justin and I got engaged. We became very serious in our church life. And we decided to, as our pastor phrased it, um, rewrap the Christmas gifts <laughs> for the uh-huh. wedding. So we decided to abstain from sex, focus completely on our emotional and just spiritual connection um, and really just dive into that. I think it was one of the best things we did for our relationship. And it gave us, I guess, something to look forward to on the wedding day, because otherwise you've, you know, you've kind of just done everything if you're doing all of that Mm -hmm. and you're not a married couple. So, yeah. That is so powerful. I remember the first time when you told me that my jaw dropped because it's not common at all for a couple who lives together to one day decide, you know what, we're gonna re-wait. I like to say re-wait for marriage. Um, So how many months was it that you guys abstained? 
So it was nine months, which, you know, could wow. sound like quite, sh- quite a short time or quite a yeah. long time, depending on who you're talking to. Um, but it was just amazing. You know, obviously, it's going to be a little bit hard in the beginning, you know, probably more mm-hmm. from, you know, your, you know, fiance side or your boyfriend side. But even by the end of it, I can say that Jay really said that it was so valuable. And he 100% agrees with what we did. And I kind of wish that I had done that from the beginning, looking back, because it really just is a gift for, you know, a married couple to share. It's such an intimate moment. So I'm so glad that we kind of rewrapped our Christmas gifts um, and, you know, decided to share it with each other later in life. I think that everything happens, you know, for God's glory and your story to maybe even one person listening who thinks, oh, well, it's too late for me. Like me and my boyfriend are already doing it or or whatever the case may be to hear your story and to hear that it's never too late to like make a change is just so powerful. It's Thank amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're sharing that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was honestly such a good thing we did for our relationship. And I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do, um, but this is mm-hmm. just what I did and it was amazing. Yeah. So I wanted to share about the modesty thing too, because I feel like maybe some people may look at Christians and say, oh, well, it may be easy for you because you're a Christian, so you don't struggle with modesty because that's just how it is. But I think it's important to say that maybe people like you and me, we still struggle with modesty or like maybe cursing or these other things. Uh, It's not like once you become a Christian, you completely become an angel and you never sin. It's, It's like a constant battle because sometimes I do want to take that, you know, risque Instagram picture because I know it'll get me likes or followers. But at the end of the day, it's really just evaluating what is truly important to me. And it's not to gain likes or follows, it's to glorify God. And so I just want to put it out there Kate and I are not perfect. Uh, Sometimes we still struggle with, you know, lust or modesty or cursing or gossip or these things. Um, But it's just at the end of the day, are we making our best effort? And are we repenting when we do fall short? Um, That's important. I also wanted to say, uh, going back to the question of, is there anything that you struggled with coming to it at a later age? I want to say from someone who came to faith, you know, growing up, my parents were very dedicated Christians in the non-denominational church as well. Um, So I went to a Christian school almost all my life. And I would say on the other side of the spectrum, when you grow up in faith, it's common to not take God as seriously until something really bad happens. So for me, that was true. Um, Growing up, I kind of, I knew about God. Yeah, I called myself a Christian, but I wasn't like living out my faith until maybe age 17. Um, And I really felt the presence and the power of God in a certain situation. And so for people like me, I would say I rededicated my life when I was 17. I just wanted to point out that, you know, growing up in faith isn't all rainbows and butterflies either. the Christian school that I went to, we had a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol, same way I'm sure it is in public school. Um, So I think it's important to remember that no matter if you grew up in the faith or you came to it later, um, there's struggles on both ends and not one or the other is better. So what advice would you give maybe your high school self or your college self if you could look back and give yourself advice? What would you say? So first thing, I feel like everyone always says this, but just to be kinder to yourself, I think we are so, we're, we're just so harsh on ourselves because it's, you know, ourself, we're our biggest, what's the word? Critic. 
biggest critic, that's it. So we really are though. And I think especially during high school and college, I think it's kind of, you know, a rough time. You know, you're changing so much during high school, you're changing even more in college. And I just think there's so much pressure to either be, you know, popular or pretty or skinny or just to always look like your best self. And I think, you know, looking back, like I just wish that I had been maybe a little bit kinder to yourself. Um, And I think almost anyone can say that out there. I think especially if you're a girl listening Mm -hmm. to this, you're probably like, yes, yes. But (laughs) (laughs) but other than that, I think also just being more selective, I think with the people you surround yourself with, I think looking back, I think particularly in college, I should have surrounded myself with some better influences in my life. So, you know, that's probably one thing that I would have really changed is maybe just be more selective with the people that you allow into your life. Yeah, that's very wise. I wish I could tell myself those things too. How did you guys decide to pick up and move to North Carolina? What was the reasoning and walk us through that process? Um, So Justin's family, you guys obviously don't know Justin at all, but his family is actually based in Maine and we were were still living in Florida right now. So that was kind of our, our biggest deciding thing. Did we want to stay in Florida where the market is so crazy right now? You know, do we try and find a house? Do we, you know, pay our rent that is, you know, gone up a thousand dollars a month? Or, you know, do we move to Maine and buy a house there where it's cheaper? Maybe it would be a great place to raise a family. These were all things we were kind of considering. So, and then kind of just in the perfect time, our church decided to do a 21 day prayer and fast challenge. So we decided to, you know, take the 21 days. It was kind of lining up perfectly with when we needed to make decisions. So we decided, okay, we're going to pray for God to show us where we need to go, whether it's Maine or South Florida. And we're also going to fast. So we did a 21 day social media fast, which was really hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> it was very hard, especially someone who like lives on social media. Um, it was so hard. The only thing I allowed myself to do was post on YouTube. That was the only thing I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to the 21 day mark and I thought, oh, well, I don't feel any different. Maybe I didn't do it right. I wasn't quite sure. But literally the next day after the 21 day challenge, Justin comes into the apartment and goes, what about North Carolina? It just really had been put on his heart. It was so random. I know that it was God again telling us where to move, especially because it wasn't even something we ever considered. We were deciding Mm -hmm. between two different, two completely different states. And what did we end up doing? Now we're moving into what seems to us, you know, like the perfect in between, you know. It has everything that we could want, it seems like. So it was definitely, you know, God pulling us in another direction, which was really cool. That is so interesting to hear because I've never done such an intense fast like that. I really want to, but just to hear how God really does work and answer prayers during a fast is just incredible. So during that social media fast, how many times did you have to stop yourself from picking up your phone and going on Instagram? So many times. So <laughs> many times I would open my phone, go to my social media folder and want to scroll on TikTok. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like, you know, oh, wanting yeah. to, you know, I was bored or, you know, something like that. I'm like, what do I do if I'm bored now? I just, 
you know, I admittedly watch maybe a little more TV than I would normally, but we definitely mm-hmm. tried to, you know, supplement it with other things like going for walks, you know, being more intentional um, with our time with God as well. So we made sure that we were also every night like reading the Bible together as, um, you know, husband and wife. And yeah, it was definitely really hard though, but really only the first few days. I think after day three or four, I just didn't pick up my phone as much. It's really funny how your body adjusts so quickly to things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's so crazy. Well, props to you for doing that. That's amazing. And I'm sure it's hard too because people like you and me, we want to grow our social following and we want to get more followers. Like that's part of our dream. So to consciously make an effort and say, no, God is more important than me gaining uh, followers is just so amazing. You're so strong for everything that you've done well it was only 21 days <laughs> that's a long time yeah. my church is doing one now in preparation for easter and i'm trying to decide okay what am i going to fast from it has to hurt yeah. it can't just be oh i'm going to fast from like mcdonald's when that's not even something i do regularly it has to be something that really hurts me yeah you <laughs> so can I'm even pick one thing I, I could do cheese <laughs> I really like cheese. So do so I. So that would really hurt. It's the one dairy thing I still eat. That's um, true. Me too. I'm on the oat milk game, except same. for cheese. I love cheese. Same. Yeah. Vegan cheese doesn't <laughs> cut it. So you guys are moving like literally next week. And I'm just so grateful that you're taking an hour of your busy schedule to be on this podcast. I'm sure all the listeners agree um okay so just a few more questions you are super stylish your instagram is like one to be admired because not only do you have amazing style but you are pretty minimal which i really appreciate um so do you have any tips for being building a capsule wardrobe or what would be your best fashion advice So I do have a video on this as well. Um, Obviously, there's so many videos out there um, about how to build a capsule wardrobe. I think probably the most important thing is investing in good quality basics. I say this in almost every video I've done ever, you know, to invest in basics because that way, even if you're paying, you know, you know, let's say it's a more expensive shirt, it's $50, it might last you 10 years Um, compared to, you know, the $10 shirt that's going to last you one year. So you're investing in pieces that will, I guess, test, you know, you know, stand the test of time. And so that's one thing that I think is really important to do. And you can really build this up slowly. You don't need to, you know, build it all in one month, but just adding slowly to your closet, different pieces that work with other things. And it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't need to be only Mm -hmm. black and white pieces, you know, getting pieces that really work with the rest of your closet, you know, like grays and beiges and other things, you know, that are still fairly neutral. So they're not gonna, you know, they're not a trend. Um, but I think you can't go wrong with starting with a pair of jeans, some good quality shirts, a blazer, a button up. It can You can be so versatile with just those things in your closet and a simple black dress. You can make so many looks. It's crazy. Yeah. Do you give yourself a budget like this month I'll buy two new pieces or this much money will be allocated? How do you decide like how much to buy and when to buy? I feel like that's a great question. I feel like I've been doing this for so long that... 
I feel like a lot of the pieces I have in my wardrobe are, you know, already like my capsule wardrobe. Um, but I definitely don't recommend spending a ton of money, you know, build your closet, even if it's just one piece per month, obviously each piece varies on price. I personally have my own spending limit of $150 per month. And so that means mm -hmm. that that's on anything. And that, that, that doesn't mean either that you have to spend $150 a month, but that could be spent on beauty. It could be spent on clothing one month. It really depends on, you know, what you need in that month. But I would just say start small. I, I love Aritzia for good basics. If you've ever you mm -hmm. know, seen my content or even taken a look at my Instagram, but yeah, I think they have amazing pieces. They are just a little bit more pricey, but I think, you know, investing in a couple of those pieces are really going to hold up, especially in the wash as well. And how did you get into fashion? Were you always super interested in it? Or is it something that you came to at a certain time? I actually think it's my mom that got me into fashion. Um, I oh, think interesting. Just, yeah, I know. Isn't that so funny? Just growing up, you know, my mom always had, you know, a pretty good sense of style, I would say. Um, you know, growing up, I just remember listening to her and going shopping with her and her pretty much drilling into me <laughs> to invest in good quality pieces and to invest in you know, staples and basics and not trends. She always preached that to me from when I was five years old and up. And she really was right. Cause still to this day, I think to myself, okay, don't invest in this just because it's a trend. Don't um, buy the green heels or the green pants. <laughs> exactly. The invest neon. in the basics that'll last you 10 years. Cause I swear my mom has stuff in her closet that she's had for 20 years that she still wears. Are you in your parents' clothes, your mom? Yeah, really close. I love my parents so much. What did they say when you decided to pick up and move to Florida? Were they sad? They were excited um, for me. They definitely weren't sad. They're such big, you know, believers in change and doing things for yourself and going and growing. And I mean, obviously, they've moved a fair bit in their own life, so they understand it. But at least I'm in the same country as them. So, you know, we, I <laughs> yeah, don't live I guess close that's to true. them. <laughs> Yeah, but they were definitely um, really supportive of it. Were they supportive of you kind of, I would say, converting over to non-denominational versus Catholic? Or were they, did they need a little bit of adjustment time? Because I know that's a frequently occurring problem with people who maybe change faiths. Because AJ actually grew up Catholic like you, um, but his parents were very open and like supportive of him being non-denominational. So how was that like for you? So that's a really good question. I would say that, you know, obviously I started my faith journey and when I was 21 and I started diving into non-denominational churches, my parents are very, very um, Catholic um, upbringing. They've been raised Catholic. They're still Catholic to this day, like go to church every Sunday. So to them, that is in their eyes, I guess the correct faith. Um, when mm -hmm. I first told them I was going to non-denominational churches, they were obviously thrilled that I was even going to a church. So they were you know, yeah. very supportive of that. But at the same time, in their eyes, they'd always kind of said to me, oh, one day when you're older, you'll you know understand the value of the Catholic church and you'll come back. I think almost as if non-denominational churches are like almost a phase, I guess, in their eyes. But they had never the rebellious done. phase <laughs> yes exactly i'm like i'm not rebelling <laughs> i'm doing the opposite that's so funny 
I know, but what was amazing was、um, this Christmas they came to visit.、Um, so we actually went to Christmas church together. We went to our non-denominational church, and they got to see it firsthand. And at first, you know, I think they were definitely a little bit shocked at how different it was, especially because. It was such a big production for Christmas. I'm sure yours was too. Yeah.、Um, but afterwards, they were so supportive. They really understood it, and they really admired it because they just said, "Wow, this is simply making it really easy for everyone to understand God and just to bring、um, God to really the masses." So they were so、yeah. supportive after trying it themselves, which was so nice to hear. <laughs> Yeah, that is awesome, and it's totally relatable having Catholic parents, and then you decide to do something a little bit different. That totally makes sense. But I'm so happy that they came around to it, at least in the sense of supporting you doing it. And I think that's one of the things that I love about non-denominational churches is that they are so basic and like stripped down to the core that literally anyone walking in from the street. Can come in, feel welcome, and not feel overwhelmed by what's going on. The songs that we sing are clear in the sense of they're not super old hymns that maybe people don't understand fully what the meaning is for some of the words in them. Which there's nothing wrong with that either. But the beauty of the non-denominational church is that it's just so simple. And it and at my church, I don't know if they do this at yours, but at mine they do an altar call. Almost every service at the end, and they just invite people to come up and say, "Hey, if you're not a Christian and you want to like see what this Jesus thing is about, come forward and we'll pray with you, and like it'll be easy and chill and like no big deal." So that's what I really love about it. I love that. That sounds amazing. Asked us something similar. They just ask people to raise their hands,、um, and we all、mm-hmm. close our eyes so that no one, you know, is judging or anything like that. But it's like a similar thing. They they want to know、yeah. who's new and who they can talk to. I highly recommend going to your local non denominational church because you will be welcome. Like they're so welcoming. They have people welcoming you. They'll give you a Bible at least at my church, and they'll just like spend a lot of time talking to you one on one because it's just all. All about building communities and adding to the family of God, and anyone is welcome, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter how bad you think you are, how sinful you think you are. Nothing is too hard for God to step in and help with. So, so love that. I want to end with this one. What is one thing you are looking forward to in the future? So I'm so、Could、excited. I'm just really excited for our move. I. Have actually never even been to North Carolina, so we're going sight unseen. I'm just so excited to explore everything that North Carolina has, like the mountains, the beach. I think just even being in a different part of the country, and maybe even the drive there, just because I've never driven from Florida to North Carolina. I'm sure I'm going to regret、yeah. saying that later because it's a long drive, <laughs> and it's, I'm sure it'll be hard.、Um, but I'm just really excited for a new chapter and. Like I mentioned, I'm just so big on change. I just think you grow so much. So anytime there's change in my life, I'm just like yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love change too. I get very bored when things are just like the same. <laughs> That's why I started YouTube. Actually, oh, let me ask you this. Sorry, I'm like keeping you. But what made you decide to start YouTube? And like, how is that journey of YouTube? Do you have any tips? Do you love it? What's what's the deal? Spill the tea. So what's really funny is my dad actually had a YouTube channel before I ever did. So he likes to think、What? that he inspired me. I know. <laughs> 
That's funny. What was he posting? Uh, So he doesn't have it anymore, but he used to post a lot of like camping and outdoor videos when we lived in Australia. And one video did really, really well and like blew up his channel, which is so funny. (sighs) Um, So it's just like my 50 year old dad, like posting to YouTube. It was was very funny. So I'd like to say he did it first, but probably what um, who really got me to do it was one of my best friends in Australia. Her name is Meg and she and I, we always used to do each other's makeup and we would have so much fun. And she was always the one who was like, you should start a makeup channel and you know, you should start doing YouTube. And I think like three years after she said that I finally started it and you know, I loved it. And then really once I met Jay, I kind of switched over from the beauty um, side and I started, you know, really doing more vlogging and stuff like that. And that's really where I feel the most comfortable in. I I love just like vlogging and sharing my day-to-day life and just meeting friends. Like obviously you, I would not know you without YouTube. So mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for the community that I've made doing this. It's It's been so much fun. Yeah, it is really fun. You guys would love Kate's Instagram and her YouTube and she's also doing TikTok. She does a lot of fashion advice on TikTok if you're just looking for something quick and valuable because a lot of people will, you know, post fashion content, but the thing that they're wearing is like $1,500 or something like that. But Kate is just super down to earth and she gives really good advice. So where can people find you? Uh, So you can find me at Kate Ladner on YouTube and Ladner is L-A-D-N-E-R. And then on Instagram and TikTok, it's the same. So it's underscore Kate Ladner. That's where you can find me. Everything will be linked in the show notes and it'll also be on my Instagram and the podcast Instagram. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was like honestly one of my favorite episodes, just talking about God and getting more deep about that. And guys, make sure you follow Kate. You won't regret it. Thank you. I had so much fun. This was such a great episode. And yeah, I really loved being able to share, you know, my faith journey. I'm so new in it, but I'm just really loving it. You're amazing. All right. See you guys next time. Bye.